everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for the spookiest time of the year, which is October. Um, but joining me today, I have what we call a repeat offender. Um, they've been on the show a couple of times. They're back. They're just churning out these Kickstarters like nobody's business. And, uh, you know, every time I go to sleep, I seem to wake up and there seems to be another one. But for some reason, what's happening this time is that um, we're not kind of going to sleep and then waking up for a Kickstarter. We're actually dreaming and there's a Kickstarter happening at the same time because here to talk about uh, dreams of tomorrow is Carla Cop from Weird Giraffe Games. Hello, Carla. Hey, I'm so happy to be talking to you again. <laughs> it's good to have you back on the show because uh, you're like, I just like talking to you. I was like having you on the show. So I was delighted. I was looking for an excuse to have you back on. So when you said you're doing another Kickstarter, I, I kind of <laughs> rocked up on the Facebook Messenger <laughs> and said, hey, Carla, want to come on the show again? And you were like, leave me alone, Richard. I've got other things to do. Big in, I'm an important games designer. Do my fourth Kickstarter here, you know what I mean? Do you want to give me some space? Do you want to give me some room? You know, can you not speak to Tony again or something? I was like, please come on, Carla, please. And you went, okay, as long as it, you stop annoying me. So um, it took a bit of persuasion. and uh, But eventually you kind of said, okay, maybe. So that's good enough for me. Um, for everybody listening for the first time, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. The reason that we do this is because we are through the 200 episode barrier and in order to keep the momentum like a rolling stone heading down a hill gathering moths and sheep and tractors and all such other things, we aim to give you as good content as we can and to get that it means we must get the creme de la creme in terms of visitors and guests which is why as I say, we asked Carla back on the show. And the second reason that we're doing this is because come the middle of this spooky-spectacular month, Carla has a Kickstarter coming to Kickstarter. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, but we spoke a little while ago, so how how's things? How are, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Things are going a lot. So there's a lot of games happening. I'm actually in like another company as well because I was like, you know what? I'm probably not busy enough just running one company. I should run two, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because who needs to sleep? Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, I mean, I don't sleep that much. So, I mean, because there's all the games and the emails and, you know. <laughs> There's always many emails. I've heard you kind of get bored quite easily as well. So I heard that you want to kind of just keep your mind kind of busy all the time. And, uh, you know, that's why you're continuing to... So who's the other company that you're now making games for then? So it's basically the best named company ever. It is Galactic Raptor Games. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... And are you work? What are you working on? Anything you can actually tell us at the moment that you're working on, or is it still kind of all hush hush? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I can. Um, so, also in the um, company is Nick from Weird Draft Games and Dan Letting mm-hmm. from Letterman Games. And our first, All right. yeah, and our first game is Animal Kingdoms. It was a game that was right. originally by Stephen Armani, and it won the Card mm-hmm. Edison Award uh, this year, I believe. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really awesome, actually. Oh, cool. Okay. What what made you decide to set up another company? Well, so me and Dan, we talk um, kind of frequently. Uh, we're both part of the Indie Game Report, where I used to do interviews, like written interviews with different Kickstarter creators, and he did his Letterman lessons. And so we got talking, mm-hmm. and we eventually both went to the same convention. It was uh, Atlanta Game Fest, and we got to meet mm-hmm. each other and hang out, and we were both like you know what, it'd be cool if we could do more things, but we can only do more things if we have some help. And it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, we can both work on the same things and get more things done that way and create a new company. And that's kind of what happened. That's cool. But did it not, I mean, was it not part of your thought, well, could you not just bring them into Weird Giraffe Games or did you kind of want that identity kind of to be kept kind of separate? Yeah, I wanted you know. Weird Draft Games to stay weird, if you will. And um, he <laughs> okay. had, yeah, he still had Letterman Games, and he controls everything in Letterman Games. But we just wanted mm-hmm. a joint thing. Okay, well, I guess that kind of makes a that makes a lot of makes a lot of sense as well. And I guess it allows you to do stuff that completely different from going a different directions from maybe what you were wanting to do. It kind of. Weird Giraffe Games yeah. Um, yeah. itself. So, like, if a game doesn't um, fit Weird Giraffe Games, it might just fit Galactic Raptor Games. So what kind of games are you thinking about producing with Galactic Raptor, then? Is it a particular... Is this going to be your potential minis-type place to find, or is it going to be your bigger, bigger games? Or what, what are you kind of thinking with that? I'm thinking mainly bigger games that I want help with. Like, I can handle smaller card games with other bits and stuff, but I do want to handle, like, the big games. Like, I did Stellar Leap, which was a big game, but that was a lot Mm -hmm. of work and a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if I want to ever do one that's that large again, I want somebody to help out with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, just seeing your, your kind of your posts on various board game groups at the time and you seem to be just like pedal to the metal kind of full speed ahead kind of 24 7 when you were kind of putting stellar leap together kind of and you were still kind of you're fantastic at kind of keeping all the backers up to date with progress and what was happening with the game and um and now that's kind of um that's kind of out there um it's out there it's in people's hands what's the feedback been like on on the game that you've heard so far uh, everyone that's reached out to me has liked it. Like people love the quality of the game, the like replayability, mm-hmm. like um, basically mm-hmm. everything. I've only heard good things. That's good. That's awesome. And how are things progressing with Fire in the Library? Because that was obviously your follow up that you kind of worked alongside Tony Miller on. Where are you kind of in a progress with regards to to how that's kind of coming together? So manufacturing is scheduled to be done next week. So and then it gets oh, wow. and it comes to us. Yeah. Okay. How are you handling fulfillment? Is everything getting sent to you and then are you sending it out across the world or are you kind of 
sending it into Europe to like say happy shops or fulfillment partners in Europe to kind of fulfill that? So we're still making the final, final decisions, but um, it should um, be on two boats, one that will go to Europe and uh, hopefully to Games Quest, where Games Quest will fulfill everything mm-hmm. outside the U.S. And then we'll get um, a shipment here, and we're thinking about using Fulfill Right um, to fulfill mm-hmm. all the U.S. stuff, and then we'll get all the extras back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with you... With you obviously doing so many Kickstarters now, has this given you the ability to kind of, I guess, kind of negotiate kind of better rates for the business now that you're established and things like that? Are you more aware of what you should be looking for if you're going out and, and, you know, engaging with businesses for their kind of services? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, I do have um, a deal with my manufacturer where, like, if I stay with them, I get a discount that other people don't just because I'm one mm-hmm. of those people that actually, you know, talk up when I have complaints. So um, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And I really like Long Pack um, because, like, anything that I have a complaint about, they do fix and they compensate me in some sort of way about things. Uh, like, on Stellar Leap, we had a hard time actually finalizing the player boards because they were, like, the dual-layer player boards. But then they gave yeah. me free UV finish. So, I mean, I was happy about that because it made the box even fancier than it otherwise yeah. would be. Well, that's pretty cool. And so, I mean, I take it it allows you to kind of um, prepare easier for your, like, say, for your manufacturing for Fire and Library. Were you already aware of kind of everything that they potentially might need in order to make production go as smoothly as possible? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that was about the same. Like the only new thing was the magnet box. So that did um, provide Mm. some like hiccups and stuff. But I mean, I had known how to do a box, so it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And if I do another box on Dream, like magnet box on Dreams of Tomorrow, I'll just know how they work. Like Dreams should really be... The thing where it's like, I've done all the things, I've done custom meeples, I know how cards work mm-hmm. and boxes work, mm-hmm. so it should go super simple at this point. Yeah, yeah. Does that allow you to concentrate more on the kind of the quality of life for the gameplay type of thing? If you've got the rest of everything kind of sorted out, does that allow you to kind of, I guess, take a step back a little bit and say, right, I know where I am with the manufacturing let's spend a little bit of time on kind of finessing stuff? Well, I still spend about the same amount of time. I just, um, I go quicker in other aspects, so I'm working on more different games all at the same time. Like, I don't think quality Mm -hmm. ever, like, increased. It's always been the same, like, well, I'm pretty um, picky about a lot of things, so I like to think I have pretty high standards. Yeah, yeah. And... I mean, have you still got a big... Because I think when we last spoke, you were always saying, well, we've we've kind of got a few games that we're kind of kind of working on in the background. Um, are you also kind of actively looking to kind of publish people's kind of work as well? And is that going to be part of what you're doing with, say, Galactic Raptor? Raptor, are you going to be doing that on that side? Or is that, is that side going to be purely your stuff and are you still going to be looking at helping kind of publishing on the Weird Giraffe side of things? So the near future, I've signed a few games, um, both with Galactic Raptor and Weird Giraffe games. So All right. um, I probably won't publish another one of my games until maybe 2020. But um, since I have 
so mm. many plans in progress. I think I'll have time to actually work on my designs a lot more because, um, well, designing your own game takes a lot longer than signing a game and game and then developing it yeah. because the designer has already spent you know a year getting it to a pretty good spot. So signing a game mm. is generally a lot faster um, than doing it on your own. Well, and you have the designer to help out usually. Um, some designers yeah. want to be part of anything after you sign their game, but like a lot of them are really, really good at stuff. Like Steven Armani, like he is amazing. That's the Animal Kingdoms guy. Um, yeah, done yeah. like a bunch of other games, but he is like really fantastic to work with because I'll just be like, okay, I want to try out this and this and that, and then he'll just update all the files for me. Where um, on other projects, I have to do all the updating, I have to find time to do that. Instead, like yeah. him, it just magically appears. Here's the new files, <laughs> just print them and play them, and then tell me what you think after that. <laughs> It's, it's kind of like I'm just making a suggestion and it's in my inbox kind of three hours later and you're like, I didn't even really ask you to do that. You've just gone ahead and done it anyway and this is and this is all kind of magical and fantastic and kind of thing. It must, I, I take it, it must kind of take a little bit of a stress to have you not always having to come up with the ideas with somebody else also being able to kind of pitch in and kind of add their kind of two bits to the to the conversation as well yeah it's like really awesome actually being able to like converse with somebody instead of me like just sitting there going like oh, okay i think this idea is really cool but where do we go now mm -hmm. but then i can just say what my ideas are and whoever i'm working with can be like oh yeah that is a really cool idea and you can do this and this <laughs> and this and i'm like whoa that was great collaboration like just a lot better working with people because it's like being able to talk yeah. something through, like get you more ideas, but also just having yeah. someone else to do some of the work and talk things through is, is great. That's kind of cool. Um, have you, I mean, back when we spoke about kind of the publishing side of things, I mean, you'd obviously, you were, we were speaking back about kind of fire in the library and you kind of trying to get that kind of publishing kind of published is that you kind of the way forward for the company is that the way you're kind of looking at doing things is to to have a like a percentage of games that you're going to be bringing to people's tables is going to be kind of you're going to be just publishing and other people are going to be doing most of the creation side of things well i'm doing a lot of um like signing of games with other designers right now so that i hopefully can like speed up the process um, and get into distribution because distribution really wants you to have like a good game plan and have lots of different mm -hmm. games. So once I get mm -hmm. into distribution and start selling, then I think I want to like step back a little and actually focus a lot more on my own designs and maybe slow down. But mm -hmm. then the games are all mine. And in the meantime, the other games can sell through distribution. And I'll also be doing a lot of expansions. Um, because what, part of my process is I really like to slim down games so like there's not too much going on like they're really easy to, yeah. to learn and play and to like relearn when you pick it up again in like two months um, so one of the things I do is I have a spreadsheet of all like the extra ideas 
um, that I cut out yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, these are good ideas, but not good enough to get into the base game right now. Or maybe they're more mm. complicated. Like um, for Fire in the Library, I actually have already designed a whole big expansion for it. Um, like it is something like 15 to 20 new tools to add to the game. And it's all play tested. Mm -hmm. It's ready to go whenever I can get um, best time again to do the art. Um, yeah. So yeah, like... Um, it might not actually slow down because I have a number of games where I just have like, oh, okay, um, since the Kickstarter started, I do have the expansion right here. I just won't do anything with it until like a year later because people like to actually play the game and have it for a while before you uh, do the expansion. Um, so I, I have like a number of those in the background that are, you know, just ready and waiting. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that recently with um, the Stonebound uh, saga, and they just released their kind of expansion for their kind of first game. They went through kind of Kickstarter for their first, you know, the kind of the main game, and now they're kind of coming along with the the kind of the, the expansion that they've also kind of put through Kickstarter. And interestingly enough, for the expansion, the expansion's taken slightly longer to fund, but the kind of the, the funding on it has been kind of very, very kind of st kind of steady um, and kind of growing as it's kind of gone along until it's obviously it's now funding now and they're kind of looking at a kind of kind of stretch goals with I mean with regards to distribution I mean it's one of the things um, distribution is one of the I mean distribution is one of the places I'd like to get somebody on to talk to <laughs> about it because I'm sure people have like a, a multitude of questions and I have a multitude of questions about it I mean is it is it the kind of big holy grail for someone like yourself to grab I mean if you can get into like a distribution agreement with say like your as you know is it like Asmodee and I mean are there a lot of kind of distributors out there that you can tap on the shoulder and ask them to look at kind of distributing your product um, well there's a number of them, but it's not like a holy grail. Like, you can get into distribution, which means, like, game stores will be able to buy your game from the distributors, mm -hmm. and they, they can sell them. But that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you get lots of cash immediately. That means that now people can have, like, a, a easy way to buy your game. Well, not people, but, like, mm -hmm. game store owners. Because this industry is yeah. all really weird. Because every game store owner, like, they typically only own, like, one or two stores. So you have to convince yeah. the distributors to get your game in there. And then you have to still do all the marketing and stuff and get to the game store owners. Yeah. So they know that they should buy your game. And then they can try to sell it. Um, and they'll only order, like, one or maybe two copies at the time. So... You have to get the people mm -hmm. to request at the game stores for your game and then to buy them. And then, like, eventually you'll get, like, the repeated sales, like, once people see it on the shelves and know your name a little more. So it's a process, definitely. Yeah. Is that why, kind of, the retail, dis the kind of the retail kind of pledge on Kickstarter is a relatively kind of important one to make sure that you're kind of get helping kind of get the game kind of out there in front of people who might not kind of back go for kickstarters anyway so it's semi-important like you can get into some game stores and maybe they'll like be interested enough to buy more but it's still mm -hmm. talking with each game store owner individually 
And there's a lot mm-hmm. of game store owners. It'd be a lot better if you could talk to, like, hundreds of them at the same time versus just, like, making sure, like, each yeah. person, each individual retailer, like, that backs it actually gets it into their store, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you're... No, no, um, so you're better having the relationship with a guy that is going in and saying, okay, I've got, like, 15 copies of this, I've got 20 copies of this, oh... And I've got like three copies of, um, say, Stellar Leap. Do you want to get kind of a kind of a hold of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that going to be the plan, kind of going forward? I mean, are you gonna are you going to be like looking at kind of offering the entire back catalogue, kind of like going forward? So it'll be a case of um, if you've had Stellar Leap, you know, then you can look at you know look into Fire of the Library, and then going forward, it'll be kind of like Dreams of Tomorrow and things like that. Is that kind of like the overall kind of game plan you're you're kind of looking at? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a couple game plans that I hope like one of them just ends up working out. Um, but yeah, like if I can get like Star Leap and Fire into the Library into retail, and then people can look me up and go, oh, there's other games, or they can come to me in a um, at a convention and go, oh yeah, I like Star Leap. Maybe I'll like these other games and be able to uh, get repeat customers that way. Um, were you kind of taken aback by what happened with Fire in the Library and the success of it? Was that a really kind of nice surprise? Kind of going into kind of like your first game that you you had published in essence for someone else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting to just see the numbers go up and to see like everything happening. Like, um, like it that Kickstarter did better than any other Kickstarter, but it kind of made sense like afterwards because I was like, oh yeah. So I had Tony helping, I had John helping, and John was um, the other designer for the game. I had Beth Sobel, who Beth is like super famous and people love her. And also I had Katie Cow, who is a somewhat um, famous uh, graphic designer in the board game community. So um, instead of like Star Leap, where Star Leap was just me, I was still kind of like not that well known. I had gotten... a uh, illustrator and graphic designer that wasn't part of the board game community so they didn't bring any backers themselves but like just seeing like that big collaboration of all the board game people coming together and then seeing like all um the success that that brought that probably is what um made me like really think that signing games was good and also um working with others and like the start of galactic raptor just seeing like oh yeah Working with multiple people at the same time, you know, means you'll be mm-hmm. more likely to have success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but your, I mean, your name has grown. I mean, your social media presence is right up there. I mean, whenever you kind of tweet something out or make a comment on something, you're not. It's not like you're, you, you know, you're getting kind of like one or two people occasionally liking the information that you're putting out there. I mean, I regularly kind of, you know, you get notifications on Twitter saying you might want to look at these following kind of 12 tweets that have come out. And there's always one from yourself, like kind of giving kind of updates or what's ha- what's happening. And it's always got, you know, there's <laughs> there's always a good kind of likes. There's always a good kind of couple of um tweets on it there's a good couple of replies i mean there's a there's obviously an audience out there that's engaging with you is that is that a weird kind of situation to be in considering kind of where you were 
you know, even kind of like three three odd years back, you know, when we kind of first, I guess when we first spoke and you were kind of, we were talking about um, Stella Lee. Yeah, like, it's really been weird. Like, so I don't really, like, you say these things and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I have, like, 4,000 followers or something. But, like, the number just doesn't click with me. Like, oh, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. And, like, going to conventions, like, I went to Origins and I had a booth for the first time. And I had, like, yeah. a line of people that just wanted to, like, talk to me or say <laughs> hi. And I was like, whoa, this is not what I expected. Because, like, I went in and I was like, okay, if no one wants to talk to me the, this whole time, that's fine. Yeah. I am prepared for this. Yeah. Like, people don't yeah. know me. But then there was, like, a line and I had to, like, speak, like, constantly for, like, eight hours a day. And it was just – it was really surprising. Like, especially since – um. I remember somebody said that they recognized my voice and like they like read my tweets like in my voice like because I've been on podcasts and stuff and I was like whoa like people listen to the podcast I'm on that's just a weird thought like I know I do it like obviously I Mm -hmm. think that someone is going to listen to this but like just putting like a name or a face to the person that's listened to me is just so weird. Yeah, no, I I know where you're coming from. It is kind of like when you get it doesn't obviously doesn't happen to, to happen to me, but an awful lot if at all. But it must be kind of so strange because I remember us having the kind of the first conversations about you coming on the first time you came on the podcast, and you're like, oh, what what about this? I'm just a bit, you know, maybe a bit nervous. And now it's like, okay, I'm I'm into my fourth Kickstarter. I've set up a second company. We're publishing games left, right, and center. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like I don't know. It's be like almost like um, it, it's it's just um, it's just excellent to see kind of somebody doing so so well in the industry, um, and it's not through kind of like a a one off shot or a gimmick or you know what I mean. You're just it's generally you seem to just be working away steadily consistently kind of trying new things and you know it's kind of it's kind of impressive but i guess it's also um it must be encouraging for other people who are maybe sitting there with the first game in front of them saying okay i'm going to try this on kickstarter and see kind of kind of where it goes um let's talk about the next game coming out so dreams of tomorrow um tell us a little bit about it Okay, so Dreams of Tomorrow, it is a set collection shifting action spaces game, or rondel if you know what a rondel is. So in the game, Mm -hmm. you are a dream engineer, and you are constructing a dream sequence to send into the past, because the present, your present, is not exactly what you wanted it to be. Like, our future, Mm -hmm. you know, things went poorly, okay? As they do in media, like... There's never, like, a future that's like, hey, everything is perfect and people are happy. Like, that's never how the future goes. So, um, to fix the issue, we're sending back in time dream sequences so that the people that um, are dreaming in our time, like, they wake up and they're like, oh, yeah, we have to go do something about this climate change thing or, you know, whatever it is (laughs) that... Um, the dream is about, like, a, it's either, like, you want to prevent some, like, catastrophe from happening or you want to, like, mm-hmm. um, make them go toward a certain goal um, based on, like, the artwork of the dream sequence. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, and I think it's a really unique game because I've never played a game that has a shifting rondelle, like a rondelle where you can um, move parts of it. And for people yeah. that don't know what a rondelle is, there's actually a lot of them I've learned, so that's why I say, like, action spaces. Um, a rondelle yeah. is something that you go, you move around, you take a certain number of, you can move a certain number of spaces, and the action that you land on is the action you take. So, All right, okay. So, yeah, so in the game, there is a dream marketplace. Um, you want to go and capture one of those dreams into your dream uh, catcher. And once it's in your dream catcher, you can use its abilities. Um, you can also um, weave the dreams into a dream sequence once they're in your dream catcher. Um, but yeah. when you do that, you can only use the ability of the dream um, to the far right. Like, the last ability is the only one you can see. So you have to make sure you right. do it in a certain order, like... Like, you can't just weave all your dreams real fast because then you lose your abilities and then you lose your ability to, like, change the um, rondelle in the way that you want to so you can get to the spaces that you need right now. Where did you get the idea for this? So this one was another one that I originally signed by um, Philip Perry. Um, the mm -hmm. So the game was about building totem poles. Um, so all right. It had the um, some of the um, shifting rondelle part of it. And I really like that part of the game. So um, I basically, after I signed it, I be like, there were some abilities where you could shift around L, like maybe one and six abilities. And I just basically cranked it to 11. And I was like, okay, <laughs> most of these abilities are going to let you do some crazy thing with a rondel. Um, yeah. I also discovered that building totem poles in a game is kind of a no-no. That's offensive. Yeah. The dream idea, I'm not really sure where it came from. I know that I love time travel. Like, time travel is one of my, like, big things. I think I was watching yeah. um, the TV show 12 Monkeys at the, like, same time I came up with the dream idea because, um, yeah. I mean, that is an excellent show, one. And um, time travel, like, what are we doing with the, the rondelle and what are you constructing? So one thing about the game, with the theme as it is now, um, a lot of the action spaces give other people resources, so you have to think about, like, if you really need all of that experience, because everyone yeah. else is going to get experience also. So I think with mm -hmm. this theme, like, if you're all, like, if you can imagine everyone, like, in a collective consciousness, and, like, you're all kind of dreaming, like, anything you do in there will kind of affect everyone else. So I think the, the theme I changed it to makes more sense than the original theme, which I like. Yeah. Like, it, like, in the original game, it's like, why are you giving somebody else paint? I don't know. It's just, I get paint, everyone gets paint because we're happy people together or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did the original designer react to you turning around and saying, look, look, um... I like the foundation of the game, but the theme is something that we're going to have to change. Were they, were they quite happy to go along with the changes straight away? Was there any kind of was there a bit of a dialogue that had to happen before they agreed to that? So one of the things I really wanted was the Native American totem pole theme, and so I really tried to make it happen, but it got to mm -hmm. the point where it was just like, I can't like. This is super offensive to people. I wanted to get a Native American involved, 
uh, hopefully, like, as an illustrator, I thought that would be a really cool way to do it, but I just couldn't find a Native American illustrator that was willing to work with me. Like, they would just say, no, that's that's not, like, what my tribe does, and also you shouldn't do this. And I was like, okay, like, I should listen to people because, yeah. you know, they know the subject matter a lot better than I do. And mm-hmm. the designer wasn't happy about it. I think he understood the whole it's offensive thing, but yeah, yeah, definitely not happy. And after the theme was changed, he didn't really want a lot to do with it. I think maybe because mm-hmm. the theme changed or because he didn't have or he didn't feel like he had a lot of input into it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I try to get people's opinions, but sometimes I go really fast, as you say. And sometimes people get kind of intimidated by that. Like, oh, they're like, oh, Carla's going, like, super crazy fast and decisions have been made where I'm like, nope, I'm just, I'm talking about all the different things. This could be chefs. This could be dreams. or It could be these ten other themes. I don't know what theme it'll be until, you know, I decide on all the things. Like, like, um... I almost changed the theme of Fire in the Library, but I never did because I didn't get the entire package. Because the entire package has to make sense before. Yes. Like, like I need a title. I need to know what the resources are. I need to know what every area of the game is before yeah. I can say, like, this is the theme. This makes sense all the way through. Um, and I think he just got really intimidated when I was like, okay, if this was the game, what would the title be? What would all the different resources be what would we call every single thing i think he thought that it was like a sure thing when it was more like that's my process like i go and i try to figure out like oh okay if it was chefs um cooking food together like sandwiches because sandwiches are stacked on top of each other so that was another thing it could have been um but i couldn't find a title that i liked so it never was that yeah 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 and i guess um if you're going to be publishing a game, you, you, you've got to kind of balance up not just, I guess you got to balance up not just the commercial side of things. You've got to, I guess, balance up things like, well, this is, is this appropriate? Are people going to, are, are people going to be offended by the potential subject matter kind of thing? Um, is it kind of, am I potentially being kind of tone deaf on this one? If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, like that's, really didn't want because like I'm still like I consider myself a new publisher and if my fourth game Mm. is completely tanked and people got a lot like really angry about it that could just ruin the entire company so that's not what I wanted to happen and I was really glad because um I don't know if you heard about another Native American game it was called uh, Manitoba I think um but that one recently got published and people were pretty uh angry about different aspects of it and i like saw all the people reacting and stuff and i was like whoa that looks so stressful for the creators like i do not want to deal with angry people ever that'd be great if i could just never like anger like a large population or even like just having like five people angry like that seems like really stressful as well yeah yeah especially if you've it's not that it's not like you've gone out your way, but it's like if it's again, it's like I've not, I thought this potentially could be an issue, but I didn't look into it enough to check if it was an issue, and now it is a kind of an issue. And oops, 
damn, <laughs> I don't know what to kind of do next. And as you say, you're a fairly young publisher, so it's not a case that you're, you know, you want to make sure you're covering any kind of potential kind of pitfalls that could be kind of, that could occur, you know. And, and you know, you do hear, I mean, it is something that is, is likely to get kind of, uh, to kind of get flagged in kind of... Uh, bigger media and uh, spread on social media and stuff like that as well and it's I guess is a you don't want uh, creating games is stressful enough and you don't need that kind of additional stress kind of piling on when you could have prevented it yeah I guess which is the way well and another thing is I think the theme of dreams is more approachable to people like everyone has had a dream okay so Mm -hmm. and everyone like um or a lot of people at least really like the art so I think the um, the changing of theme, it was good from the whole, like, I'm not offending people anymore, other than the people that might mm-hmm. get offended that I cared about people that could be offended, which I don't really care about all those people. Um, but I think it's more appealing of a theme just in general. Like, the story works. Um, like, it's an interesting story, I think. Um, the mechanics make more sense. Like it, it lets people get a little more immersed in it. So, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it was good from all fronts. Going forward with you, I mean, this is obviously going to kickstart. Yeah. Yeah, in like sixteen hours, wow. maybe. Do you? Um, I know. I know. It's only like your fourth, you know, fourth project. Are you still kind of a little bit? Oh, we've got to um, press the button. Is it kind of nerve? time oh definitely when you're gonna kind of press the brand yeah Yeah. i am pretty nervous i've been going between like oh yeah maybe maybe it'll do really well and i'll get to like quit my job and i'm like and then like that high there and then like i go like all the way down to like oh what if no one shows up and like i just fail like this is just well because it is a bad time for kickstarter like it's october people are buying stuff for christmas and it's like, oh, I probably, like, I just keep on thinking about the add-on image that I made. Like, nobody's going to really care about what it looks like, but I'm, like, really worried about it for whatever reason. And I'll probably go fix it after this. Like, fix it. Like, I need to, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But it's like, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. Um, I have a lot more people that are helping out with different things this time. And I'm, like, every Kickstarter, I get a lot more prepared. Like, I have... A lot of reviewer quotes. I have a lot of things that are done and ready. Um, where in the past, like it's been like, oh, it's the day before, and I only have one review. What do I do? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like now I have like I don't know, like ten quotes on the page, so it's it'll be fine regardless. But um, yeah, it's still nerve wracking because you don't. There's so much out of my control. Like once I hit launch, I have to like rely on all these people to know what day it is which I'm terrible at, and to go online and spend their money. Yeah. But then, again, is it also the pressure that's there because Fire in the Library did about 75 grand? <laughs> you kind of going... Mm. Yeah, like, I feel like if it doesn't... Well, people will definitely, like, notice if it doesn't do as well, and I don't think it will do as well. Like, I mean... Honestly, it'll be great if it gets funded and I get like twenty or thirty thousand. Like, I'll be happy with that. I'll be perfectly fine. But though, there's mm-hmm. always this thing because um, every Kickstarter up until this point, I've done a lot better at. Like my first Kickstarter, I got like eight or nine thousand. The second Kickstarter, I got like twenty thousand. 
And the third Kickstarter, mm -hmm. I got like 70 or something, 65, something that was like way more than the previous two combined. So, I mean, if people look at that on a chart, they're like, oh yeah, obviously Carla's going to do like really, really wonderful. And then they'll think, I don't know, maybe they'll think I did something poorly or I don't know if I don't do like completely fantastic, which like there's the pressure there. But people, I think people that know Kickstarter know that it's like a hard time for everyone, even if you are really established, like more established than me. I've seen Kickstarter creators yeah. struggle with it, which is also intimidating because like if people that have done like 10 Kickstarters are struggling to fund on some of them, like what does that mean for me? Yeah, uh, it's still um, impossible to tell what's going to do well and what's actually going to kind of just click along. I still haven't seen it. I, it's not even, I don't even know if it's down to the theme, it's down to the price, it's down whatever. I'm at a complete loss when I see some some, some of them kind of romping home at, you know, a thousand percent over their funding target and I see others kind of limping home at 101 percent above their funding target and, you know, they're both done kind of exactly the same kind of way in terms of the the marketing side of things. I mean, in terms of marketing, have you has your approach been exactly the same as you did for Fire in the Library or have you have you changed have you changed your kind of your approach to that? So I think this time I might have done more interviews than before or than Fire in the Library, but it, it probably evened out since it was only me doing interviews versus like me, Tony and John doing the interviews. Um I did get mm -hmm. help from Bebo. Um um, from Be Bold Games, like she's helping out with like the videos and some marketing advice yeah. and stuff like that. So that should help out a bit. Um, in addition, I've tried a few different reviewers. Like um, I think I still went with like 25 reviewers because I, I don't know, I get really scared about like not having enough reviews. Kind of because, um, well, Stellar Leap, um, there was a hurricane right before it. So a few of the reviewers yeah. just couldn't. Like, they were stuck without power, so, yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But, like, life is, <laughs> like, if you don't, like, contact enough reviewers, like, like I know, like, 25 is, is a lot. Like, people, uh, like, yeah. question me, and they're like, really, Carla? You're still getting that many? Like, you're not a first-time person, but I'm like... I don't know who's going to have a baby or who's going to, like, like, there was another hurricane, like, just recently, and a couple of the reviewers I did choose, like, they, like, none of the power went out this time. It wasn't as bad, but, I mean, it really could have been, um, and just people have life events, like, um, just as always, like, there's one reviewer that's just too busy to get it done, and, like, sure, they send the game along, but if I only went with, like, three or four reviewers and... Yeah. Two of them got hurricaned, and one had a baby, and one had a life event. Then that means, you know, there's not, there's just the one reviewer, and ho hopefully he really liked it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Mm -hmm. When I spoke to um, Gabe Barrett, board game design lab, he was saying, well, you know, you only really should have, you only really need a couple of reviews on the kind of the page, and that ideally should be kind of enough. But I'm also thinking at the same time that if these guys are content creators, then as a content creator, they're going to be spreading what they've created anyway. So you kind of get caught up in the 
in the kind of the stream. I mean, like let's face it, when I put this episode out there, um, you know, in the middle of December, because obviously I've no good with dates or times at the moment at all. Um, there will be, you know, there'll be two hundred odd people that will listen to the episode, if you know, if not more. Um, and out of those, there'll be a certain percentage that will go ahead, and they would have listened to you talk to me before, so they'll instantly be, well, we have to check this out. Um, but I mean, we're almost like a form of kind of marketing, I guess, ourselves, and I guess the reviewers, they're kind of a form of art marketing anyway because they'll be wanting to put their content out in front of kind of other people so it's kind of one of these these kind of kind of strange situations and also do you not feel that you don't want to be that person that sits there and goes well my last my last kickstarter did so well i'm just going to do it i don't have to do as much marketing do you think it's good that you're kind of slightly i guess nervous or paranoid that you know you're just not going to get the figures that you got last time that is making you kind of send out those 25 copies to the various kind of review guys yeah i think it's good to be worried because then i won't be caught unawares like i know that a few other uh kickstarter creators are like yeah this is my fifth campaign it's just gonna you know fund and go and then they're like like a week or two in they're like oh oh it didn't do that now what do I do and then it by then it's too late but if I'm worried like a month in advance and doing all these things to try mm-hmm. to help it out then hopefully that those all add up and there's also the fact of like getting people to see a thing a number of times like maybe somebody reads one review and they go to the page and but then they go to the page and they see all these other reviewers and maybe they read like another two or three reviews and then they actually back. Like, you can't be guaranteed that just because somebody's, like, listening to this this podcast that they'll go back. But maybe they'll listen, they'll find out about it, and then they'll be convinced by another review or another interview. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, like I heard that it's, you have to see something three times before you really want to buy it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, at the same time, you'll have, um, there'll be certain reviewers that I... I have an, affi- an an affinity with. I don't know how. You know, generally, if they say a game is good, then I'll generally enjoy that game. If they say they've got so so about the game, then I've usually found it kind of like the same, the same way. So again, I guess if you've got like only say two or three previews, and it happens that somebody goes on and you say, "All oh, right, well the this guy here hasn't you know board meetings haven't reviewed it, polyhedron collider haven't looked at it, you know." Unlucky Frog haven't had a look at it, you know. Uh, both sides of my table haven't, you know, hadn't played through. So I'm not, re- you know, these are the guys I look for just to have, you know, reviewed or previewed a game. And I have, I can't see any of them on this list. So um, this is, I'm not in my comfort zone. Therefore, I'm not going to look at it because I don't know if it'll be, it'll be something that I kind of personally kind of like, I guess, which is, you know, a good argument for having, having as many people kind of, look at it as well and also i guess is the feedback side of things have you had interesting feedback from the reviewers that's made you kind of look at something slightly differently or maybe kind of make slight changes or pick up on things that they've they've brought to your attention yeah actually so um the first one's kind of funny where um, one reviewer they contacted me and like they they showed me their review and in the review they're like oh it's obvious, like, you'll win all the time if you go for the high-pointed dreams. Like, that's just how you win. Mm-hmm. And then I had another reviewer, and they're like, oh, okay, you have to go for the set collection. 
that's how you win every time. Like the amount of points on the the dreams, it doesn't really matter. And I read both of those, and I was like, oh, so there's two strategies that work, <laughs> at least, which I thought was kind of funny. That um, like pe- some people like they just go with what their heart says. Like um, I know like in set collection games that happens where if you say set collection and you can't win through set collection, people are like, whoa, I need to set collect to even my detriment. So I thought that was interesting. But um, one of the things that um, I think it was actually um, Edo who said that um, there, there wasn't enough escalation in the base game. And so the game has two different modes of play. There's the Pleasant Night, where you just get to affect the rondelle yourself. And then there's the Troubled Night, which adds in the Nightmare. And the Nightmare is really crazy, and it wreaks havoc, and it makes you replan everything on your turn, usually. Because, like, I mean, it's a nightmare. That's what it's supposed to do. But he mentioned that it wasn't, like, escalating, and I was like, oh, okay, I can make it escalate. Like, um, there could be three game modes instead of just the two, where um, on the the third game mode would kind of be, like, a mix of both, where... Once any one player gets to three dreams, then the nightmare gets added. Then, like, your plans get messed up after you're already halfway through the game. Okay, so in terms, then, of you... I mean, you've obviously decided on kind of prices and costs and stuff like that. So how much is it going to be to get in the door? What's the kind of the pledge levels going to be? So the price of the game is $22, and depending on where you live, there will be a shipping cost. It is, I believe, $7 shipping in the U.S., uh, $13 mm-hmm. in the EU and Canada, and 18 in mm-hmm. other countries. All right, okay, okay. So is it kind of going along the same the same route with like the similar games? Is it kind of like the similar kind of pricing structure? Is it going to be like the similar size kind of boxes and stuff that you're going for as well? So you've been kind of working within the same kind of shipping costs? Mm-hmm. So I actually used the Fire in the Library costs um, when I was doing this because we're getting ready to ship Fire in the Library, and I plan to have mm-hmm. it be in the exact same box, actually. Um, Mm-hmm. So we haven't met, like, we haven't launched and we haven't met the magnet box goal, but if it is a magnet box, it'll be heavier, and I think, well, I know in the past I've just, um, like, spent extra of my money to make stretch goals happen, because I'm like, I want a magnet box real bad, so I guess <laughs> I will go further in debt to make this happen. Um, so I didn't stop that, because, like, um, well, also it's good as a company, um, I have a small box shape, which is the my first game. It's like um, just a tuck box. Um, my medium box yeah. is going to be um, for all my medium level games, which is the Fire in the Library size and Dreams of Tomorrow. And yeah. then I have my big box size, which is the Stellar Leap. So all of my games should fall into those sizes, which means like they yeah. stack up well and they look well, like good together, because that's important, that's cool. like shelving and stuff. <laughs> Just so everything can be lined up together, so you can people can say, "Well, there's all my weird, there's all my weird giraffe stuff." Um, but then, obviously, you're going to have your big box games coming out, so they're going to be you're going to have to think about your box sizes and everything like that for that when they come out. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, suddenly <laughs> should true. fit anything that I want to do. It's pretty big, but I mean, if I go even mm. bigger than that, then there's the regular like, you know how there's a regular like large box size. And that's the 
only yeah. regular size and board games for whatever reason, I'd probably go with that yeah, size. Yeah. I don't know. I just I get so annoyed oh. at my shelves because things don't line up, and I really wish <laughs> that they did. Like, why don't we have standard sizes? <laughs> that would be so cool. I'm just looking at it just now, and I'm looking at all the various different boxes. I mean, there's one set, I think, where... I've got like Isle of Sky and Carcassonne and Subterra and Sherlock Holmes and um, they all line up just nice and pretty. Um, so that's kind of cool. But, um, you know, there's obviously others out there which are just kind of, they're just all over the place, like the Armada box or the Dungeon Saga box or even the Pandemic box isn't kind of like a standard size. It's just not, it's just not good at all. It's just not good at all. Um, so... Campaign's launching tomorrow, um, well, the 15th. Um, if we want to keep an eye on you on the interweb nets, how do we keep an eye on you on the interweb nets? Okay, so the Kickstarter is going to be at weirdgiraffe.games slash dreams. If you want to go check that out. Mm-hmm. I do have a website at weirdgiraffegames.com. Um, I'm on Twitter mm-hmm. at weirdgiraffes, and people can always send me an email at contact at weirdgiraffegames.com. Are you excited for tomorrow when you're pressing the button, kind of? Uh, I'm really excited, but also super nervous at the same time, and I just hope that I don't, like, throw up or something. But that's why you um, launch in the morning, (laughs) before you eat, because, like, if you launch right after you eat, like, that's just asking for trouble. There's a a whole kind of, if 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 you spew and she stays... It's meant to be. <laughs> no, that's just a... <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Enough of the Wayne's World kind of jokes. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for it's helping been, me. It's been um, a pleasure. As always, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the Googles, search for We're Not Wizards. We're on Twitter and Facebook and f- and Tabletop. And um, we're on Where Are We? We're on all different types of places. I can't even think about the moment. YouTube and uh, you can find us on Instagram. We've got our website, which is we'renotwizards.com. We have got all the podcast catchers, Stitcher and Spreaker and Spotify. And we were also on Apple Podcasts. And as we say, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then give us a subscription on Apple Podcasts. If you um, like us even more than that, Give us a rating or a review. If you're going to give us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. Don't give us one star because it makes us cry. And there's a song in that. Give us five stars because it's in the middle and it's average and we are decidedly average. Um, (laughs) There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to say that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? We're not wizards. Carla. We're not wizards. Definitely not. Definitely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic Carla Cop. Say goodbye, Carla. Goodbye, everyone, and thank you so much for listening. And it's a goodbye from me, remember... Stay safe, roll sixes, um, and um, all those things about dreams, you know, uh, to sleep, perchance to dream, uh, in dreams I walk alongside you, but make sure from tomorrow um, that you pick, 
just we'll, there'll be links in the show notes so that we have notes to show. So make sure you go in and you check out Dreams of Tomorrow because if it's anything like Fire in the Library, if it's anything, um, if it's anything like Stellar Loop, it looks very, very interesting indeed. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to.